Hey, welcome to the Circle of Salt, the podcast where we use our snark to protect the occult community from itself and others. Circle of Salt is brought to you by Felix Warren, aka Dot Ass, and Rune Emerson, aka Moon Rune. <laughs> yeah, that totally wasn't even rehearsed. Anything? No, it wasn't. Like you, you did. You thought I was going to come away with like something you like had no idea of the true impact of but instead i just went with the obvious because you'd never expect that for me haha heck so. of bamboozled yes just so you know circle of salt's website is at circle of salt podcast.tumblr.com that's where you can go for updates about the podcast and to ask us questions as well as to find links to our blogs if you like circle of salt it would be great if you would review us on itunes or your other podcast listening venue of choice and tell your friends and neighbors about this cool podcast about awesome witch shit if you don't like us don't do anything at all say nothing just just forget forget and move on yes forget forget anyway okay so um now it's time for us to do the silly part where we just sort of talk about our day so we're gonna do that first because we could probably use it so hi felix how are you how's everything going since i'm not there uh (laughs) oh that's very flattering yeah, pretty much. So it's it's all right. Um, to distract myself from world events, I watched Taylor Swift's new video, and I didn't understand it because I don't actually keep up with the pop music world, and so all of this is like Greek to me. Except I know Greek better than I know Taylor Swift. Yeah, I kind of um, I'm not like I like Taylor Swift, sort of, um, but like I don't. I you know, I will be perfectly honest. I don't really care enough to like get involved with all of that any of it um yeah i pretty much sat around all day and did nothing oh no it was actually kind of nice because like oh oh, wait that's right that's right some people like to do that yes i well and that's the thing like i'm not very good at it uh, but i was in like a death to all humans mood so i was like ah probably best if i just stay home and fortunately nobody was around to drive me anywhere so that worked out really in my benefit it so. sounds so restive and relaxing, and all it took was you wanting to destroy humanity. You know, I mean, it's good for everyone. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, okay, let's let's get past all of the silliness and move into our first insta- installment, so we can have more silliness. Um, this installment is affectionately referred to as Hekas Hekas Estable Shit, and today today's dish of salt is brought to you by both of us. And it is entitled, Sage is Not a Condom. We had, like, a long list of, like, um, sexual education phrases we were trying to build this off of, but that one was just really the best whatsoever. Right, because we were trying for, like, funny and not creeper. But Yeah, and that's, like, that's pretty much all you've got when it comes to that. Really, really. So, like, but literally what we're talking about is, um, like, the other title for this is wow that ward is probably about as effective as pulling out and um seriously it has to do with people and their idea of appropriate magical protections and yeah i mean like okay so a lot of the examples I see that are kind of weak do come from people who are new at this, but a lot of times the reason that they're kind of weak is because they're actually reading tips from people who are experienced and not really realizing that you can do better. And you can do better. And I'm going to need do you better. to do better. 
All right, so we're we're, we're dishing salt. Um, yes. You, you you can read the tips on how to do things better by kind of reversing what it is that we're ranting about. Doing right. The opposite. And, but I do want to I want to reiterate what Felix was saying. Like, yeah, a lot of people who do this, um, who have like, kind of like janky or, you know not you not good enough protections they're new at this this is not being directed to you this is being directed towards the people who've been practicing as long or longer than us and think that they have these amazing magical protections i like have a lot of salt about this actually like i have a lot of salt about people who are old in the craft who use their age as an excuse to just be lazy fucks who think that they're immune to everything so let me just say practicing magic does not make you immune to it that is very true let's just start there practicing magic does not make you immune to magic it usually makes you a little bit more sensitive to it if you're any good at it especially if you're any good at the psychic parts of it and it definitely does not make you like invincible just because you think you are i cannot tell you how many people i've run into who are like initiated third degree high priestesses of wicca or uh reiki master teachers or whatever master whatever's um or you know high mucky muck poobahs of whatever their practice is um who are very very bad very incompetent really 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 like bad at very simple practical things and they just why and i'm like i learned this in school like and i don't mean hogwarts i mean like high school and here you are in your 70s and you you don't even teach your students basic protection spells uh so anyway Let's get into specifics, though. Yes, let's because let's not like generalize this forever because everybody will just think that we're talking about everyone. I want to build on like what you were first talking about because this is actually a huge flaw that I see in a lot of people's protections. Mm-hmm. Um, it is assuming that well, I'm a witch and whoever comes by uh, is like that is not a witch and is not immediately identifiable to me as magical. Totally can't get through any of my protections because they don't do magic. Right. If I and can't, it's like, yeah, you know, um, not only can mundanes disrupt your shit, like, mm-hmm. naturally, but, you know, whatever it is that they practice spiritually or religiously may have an ability to override it, or, like, you may just not be that foolproof. Um, and that's kind of a thing in general that I run into. Like, there's this whole, like, okay, you know how everybody has that huge, like, prejudice on, like, especially, like, on in, in the Tumblr communities, they have this huge prejudice against, like, the, the Wiccans being told by non-Wiccans that, oh my god, don't do that because law of three. And, like, their, their argument is, well, I'm not a Wiccan, and I don't believe in the law of three any more than I believe that my actions are going to send me to hell, so, of course, thanks very much, but no thanks, I'm not buying your pamphlet. Well, okay, how often is that particular salty opinion formed by the fact that there are tons of Wiccans out there who think that the law of three applies to everyone except them. <laughs> That's so true. It's true, and I'm not trying to disparage Wiccans who are legitimate about their practice, but if you are a legitimate Wiccan who is legitimate about your practice, you genuinely believe in the things that you're doing, and you somehow think that you have managed to find a magic that proofs you against the rules of your own practice, it means you don't actually believe in your practice. That 
I just feel like needs to be said. But building further on that, people actually will create their magical protections and their traditional practices on top of these hypocritical and paradoxical, contradictory uh, paradigms, and they just don't work. When your shit is based on stuff that you don't actually work with, when you build your magic off of things that um, you only half understand, or when you are building your magic off of a principle of, you know, your, your spells have a price and a cost and you don't pay the cost, um, you're not invincible, you're not immune to the rules, and you're the one who signs up for them, so what the hell are you even buying into that stuff if you don't believe in it? Anyways. I, I like, I want to like so I, there's a few things i was actually going to point out that kind of yes, fall in line with that i tangented um, a little so go ahead. no this 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 is going to go right in there um so a lot of newer people end up um putting down protections usually under the guidance of more experienced practitioners or people who say they're more experienced um who give them tips and usually the tips are like these quick little charms that are like they're often folk magic or even hoodoo based or both um right it's like you know put a penny over the door to like protect you like protect the space it's like okay i i can see how that's like i haven't actually looked up the origin of that charm and so i'm not exactly sure how it works and it may just be that it's folk magic and that's why it works but like <laughs> if you use this particular thing do you have a reason that you're using it and you think it's going to work? Right. Like, ha- has it? Is it? Has it been proven in your knowledge? Do you think that's enough? Like, I like because whenever I see these like these lists of little things, I find the people who are who are most effective in their protection, who are at this level of like you know, I'm picking from this list of things to just try out. They do about ten of them. Right. And like they the do little, them cleverly. The little one and two and three penny charms, um, like they work. Uh, um. Oh, see, this is so frustrating. So I'm going to quote my friend. Um, so I have a friend who wrote a, a novel, uh, like a like a, a novella or a, um, well, yeah, a novella, like a novel. And then he also wrote a, uh, a f- series of short stories for Mage the Ascension. And um, his name is Kevin Andrew Murphy. If you're listening, Kevin, uh, I'm totally plugging you right now. But um, I, his character, Penny Dreadful, who is my absolute favorite character from that series, she is a... Um, a witch who is very fond of old folk magic and one of the things that she's quoted as saying is the problem with these one and two and three penny charms is you don't know when they work you only know when they don't oh yeah and it's obvious that they don't work but if they are working you're not really sure if like it was just sort of the power of positive thinking and good luck or if it actually did the spell and like if the spell was actually effective so the thing is a lot of them are actually incredibly competent like that whole throw salt over your left shoulder in order to get rid of the devil or get rid of bad luck or whatever if it spills like they actually tell you to throw salt over your left shoulder for all sorts of things not just when it spills it's a thing it's a folklore spell and it's great for uncrossing and averting bad luck coming your way but if you um if you do those kinds of magic and you offer those as the as your practical tips um, and you don't know why they work, uh, are you really teaching anybody anything, or are you just sort of handing them a piece of lore? Um, my rule on that is, when you're teaching people anything that is supposed to be functional and useful, test it with them, and make sure that they have a handle on it, show them why it works, like, explain to them, or allow them to understand it by, you know, giving them an exercise that will teach them how 
themselves because some magic you can't explain so much as you have to help people kind of experience it but just i don't know do better i don't know <laughs> but we're on salt right now not on on tips right well and i'm just i this is about me being salty for those of you who don't know i teach this for a living if you're tuning in for the first time you may never have heard me say that i teach witchcraft practical witchcraft as part of my living and it drives me crazy when people practice magic but they aren't good at it and they make claims for things they can't do so this is literally like if i see you do that i will call you out and i won't even feel bad i might feel bad actually that's not true i might feel bad but i probably will do it anyway so so I've got another one. Go, yes. Throwing these out. All right, I talked to you about the details of this privately, but I'm not going to give out the whole story over the air. I'm simply just going to like point out a general fallacy that I've seen happen quite often. If you tie your wards and your protections to a certain object, don't make that object be somewhere that it's easy for like you know a hapless guest to knock over or your cat to knock over right. or really for it to knock over at all like staple that shit down with like and super glue it like what the fuck ever but like oh, if this thing is like yeah i know it's like if this thing is so vital to your protections then you need to put it in a stable place and you need to make sure that it's not going to get fucked with real easily really good magicians are practical and tricky um, that is something that I have learned. If you're going to, like what Felix was just saying about that whole thing, um, about don't like leave it somewhere where people can easily get at it. Um, definitely don't do that. This, this goes into like people who do candle burning and they put their, their candle, their burning candles in like the tub so that it'll fall over on porcelain and not set fire to your house. Kind of a thing. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's rules of thumb, practical rules when you're doing basic magic. Simple practical things. Like, make sure your house doesn't go up in flames. Make sure your cat can't knock over your jar of mystical practical magic that is protecting you from everything. Seriously, I mean, this is practical stuff. But a lot of people are not practical, and I found that competent magicians are. So learn it. Um, common also, sense is not a superpower to a magician. It is a necessary thing in the toolbox. Yeah, I was going to say, one of the things I've noticed, as, and this is like, often it's an early on assumption, but sometimes people still don't realize they need to, to learn this lesson, even when they're far into their practice. Um, just because it's magic doesn't mean that it's infallible, like that no accidents are going to happen to it. Um, you know, if there's something that is obviously, you know, in danger about an object about like an operation that you're doing there's just like some kind of impracticality like maybe you'll feel like oh well if i avoid this impracticality and this this magic then i'm not really letting the magic work it's like no no the magic is supposed to do the magic's job yes. but making sure that things don't fuck up is your job right and so be practical and also be tricky this is something that's really important um magicians never give away the source of their power the source of their magic the more dramatic something is in a spell the less important it is that is that is like a thing that most magicians do so like if you haven't learned that and you're like in your 60s and you're practicing and you really think that all of the posturing and pageantry is where the magic is happening uh you've missed something my dear so and that leads me to like the specific part about the about practical protection spells all right no protection spell is perfect no protection spell has absolutely everything going for it 
um, like you are invincible to all things that like I don't know how many stories and folklore are based on that like god I mean we have Achilles and his heel for f- fuck's sake as one of the earliest ones in Greece that we learn about where uh, mom wanted to protect her kid from literally everything and so what did she do she dipped him in the sticks and so he came back immune to everything from you know colic to you know I don't know fire, fire arrows murder. rocks murders except for like the place where she was holding him which was his achilles heel and anyway and so his hamstring literally he can be hamstrung and that's about it um but you can get him by shooting poison into that so uh, every protection has a vulnerability and that's because you are not a god you are not invincible because you are not supposed to be you are not omniscient you are not omnipotent you will not know everything about what's coming down the pipe at you and you will not be able to protect yourself from everything that comes your way even if you can see it so getting good at throwing up those wards and protections getting good at throwing up those uh, mystical barriers and the shield spells and the magic oh my god how many people depend upon that stupid mirror egg trick oh okay like let me tell you all about mirrors. Um, I know you can too, but this is the thing. Oh, that, oh yeah, please. Like, actually, this this will this will bleed over into discourse into our, our roommate stories. But I think we've already have kind of gotten there. We've sort of coasted. Why don't we <laughs> intro? It, what is our discourse called? Oh, I guess I can do the intro now for that. Um, yes. Yeah. So we're we're our echo chamber Azarak is specifically shitty roommates, the occult edition, um, and. Like we're kind of blending to our like two different dishes of salt into a discourse today, because the other problem is where your magic meets other people, and the worst place for that is when you're living with them. Yes, cohabitation. Cohabitation. Cohabitation with mundanes or cohabitation with other magic users. Sometimes they're competent and sometimes they're not. Right, and there's just a lot there. There's a lot of salt to be shed about all of this, which is why this is sort of a double dish day. Um, but it's also a discourse because, of course, we're going to do that. Um, yeah. But really, okay. When you live with other people who practice magic, you get to learn all of the things that people do that are stupid. But also, you get to learn all, <laughs> like the ideal is that you're going to learn things that you've never thought of that you're going to be able to do that are kind of cool. Um, I've not found that to be true. Yeah, the I, ideal is that you talk to other people about your practice who actually respect you and you respect them, but... That is rarely true. Um, especially if you have an, like a, a, a talent for it. Um, I don't know how many of our listeners are involved in competitive like uh, communities, like maybe the art community or the music community or like, you know, people who are competing for the same jobs. Um, but... Any competitive community where any 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 community where you're doing something where people can be better than you and people can be worse than you, you are going to run into trouble. And um, so, when you're living with other magicians, it is often more like going to a boarding school where everybody's learning music and people competing with each other at all hours of the night and like trying to wreck another person's audition than it is a happy like a community and the thing is most of the time i've noticed that people who are in certain communities try to start there they try to start in the happy friendly place but they offend each other and so that's when the spells start flinging around or when people start doing wards and shit 
I have a lot of stories uh, because I've lived with a lot of roommates, many of whom are magi- magicians and magically inclined. Um, some of which I will not share because uh, it's just too painful to talk about. But um, some of them are actually rather funny, so we'll share some of those as well. And I know Felix has some great stuff to talk about with all of this. But that was, yeah, that was the very first encounter I ever had with people who were incompetent at their magician at their uh, their their warding practices. Um, like I, it was the very first time that I had ever met anybody who cast a circle that other people could walk through. Oh God! And, and that's basic magic. Um, people shouldn't even know you're doing magic if you've cast a circle properly. And by the way, when I say cast a circle, please understand I was educated by Wiccans at my very beginning. Um, my new, my my current practice doesn't really incorporate circle unless I'm doing a, like a ceremonial ritual that involves sorcery. But I did learn how Wiccans do it. And um, I was astonished to find that something so commonplace was poorly practiced. Well, and um, let's let's take a moment to like explain to listeners like when you say cast a circle, what you mean is you're putting down a protection around that area so that you can do an operation without anybody intruding. Right. Um, in my practice, in the tradition that I teach, when we talk about any form of these kinds of things, we talk about them in a broad category of perimeter abjurations. Abjuration being the magic of make stuff not happen. Um, so it's basically prevent someone from passing, prevent someone from doing that kind of thing. And um, perimeter abjurations uh, in in Wicca are usually referred to as magic circles, and they're usually very organic, associated with the four elements or the four watchtowers or the four sacred beasts or whatever it is that are your practice. Um, but not always. But they are always a perimeter that cannot be crossed and usually cannot even be perceived by like muggles, by mundanes. That's supposed to be the way they work. I can't tell you how many times I've encountered people who just couldn't even do that much. Like, they would set aside a space, and the cat would be wandering in and out, knocking things over, and people would be walking in and out and making noise, and people would be calling, and they would have this perpetually pissed look on their face, and I'm always like, put up a circle. Like, why didn't you? But, like, why wouldn't you? And they're like, well, I did. And I'm over here going, ah, so you're incompetent. Okay, well... Because you have to understand, at that point in my life, I was not very good at magic. But if I can do that, and I'm like a rank beginner, then you're worse than me. I mean, that's like, that's like trying to learn to sing, and then like having someone tell me that they've never learned how to match pitch at all. And they're like trying to be a professional singer, and I'm like, well, how are you going to be pro if you don't even know the basics? Like, can't auto-tune all of it right so anyway that's like it's just an issue like it's an issue and when you live with people who are mundanes i i, I will tell you i've never lived with mundanes like I've, i have all those stories about that good because you're gonna have to be the one who talks about this because i've never lived with mundanes I've lived with people who were inexperienced at their craft. I've lived with people who were um, self-professed experts um, of varying level of competency to the point where like, some of the people I lived with were better at it than I was, and it was a, a, a glorious thing. I got to learn so many things from those people. And then others who were terrible. Um, just awful. And uh, they used to call themselves like 
experts and things and generally after we were finished they would like after i had moved out or i was done living with them or something they had learned more from me than i had ever learned from them which is very sad in some cases if you're basing it all on yourself which i did but um i've never lived with just mundane people because they tend to really not like me so that's not been a thing well they have bad taste oh i mean and the thing is like i've lived with people who probably would call themselves that like now um but that's not true i mean they're very mystically minded and they practice practical magic so i'm sure they like to think of themselves as mundane but that's more about them being in the closet than anything else they still practice so and it's literally like i'm not going to tell someone what they need to call themselves i am going to tell them that if you're practicing magic then you're a magician so there you are well and i know the difference between actually living with a mundane and living with um a person who thinks of themselves as mundane and then is doing a lot of innate shit right and if it's just innate like latency kind of stuff then i'm not gonna call them out on it whatever you have some gifts that doesn't mean you're a magician but if you're actively doing like sage cleansing and warding and calling on spirits and setting up an altar to your ancestors i'm sorry you know if it quacks like a duck and it waddles like a duck then um, it probably will taste good for Christmas dinner. Right. So, I want to tell a story. Go! Okay, so we were talking about mirrors, and I was going to get into this. Um, One of my first living arrangements, um, I went to a boarding school in high school that was not for magic, it was just for nerds. Um, And that's where I did my first magic. And I'll talk about that a bit later, but my first time living outside of school or college and actually living in an apartment with people and not a dorm, Uh um, I lived with a really good friend um, who is a listener, and they know who they are. um, And... I lived with a friend of ours who was kind of a budding sorcerer, and he was, um, I'd say, about five years younger than us at the time, and we were at, like, graduate school age. That was, like, we were, like, around 25. I'd say he's, like, 21. Okay. So, (laughs) that age of magician, um, he was uh, more of a chaos magician. Um, Right. So... (laughs) He knew that my friend was a practicing magician. Okay. He somehow didn't pick up that I was a practicing magician. Okay. I never really realized that until much later, but it it, it happens in the story, and I, I figure it out. So. Wait, was he a Scorpio? Because Scorpios are very psychic. <laughs> I do not remember, but I do know that. I, I learned that very keenly. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later on a different podcast. I think about we already psychics. did. Did we? I think we might have. Anyways, continue. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, he was doing some kind of creepy stuff with servitors, and, like, I was very, like, uh, peta for spirits at the time. Like, I was a bit uppity and activist about how people were, like, dealing with their own spirits, and I still have opinions about that now, but, like, um, I don't try to get up in and, like, actually do magical stuff against other people who are, like, doing things with literally servitors that they actually created themselves. Sure. But back then I did. Okay. So, um, he was, he was creating these servitors, and then, like, he'd just sort of crush them up whenever he didn't want to, like, deal with them anymore. He'd actually drain them of energy back into his, his self, but, like, in a way that was, he phrased it very creepily, <laughs> and... So he, he was, was a creeper. 
he was being a creep about it and i was like i don't i i'm gonna stand up for spirits rights is exactly how i thought of it at the time um cute little me (laughs) so i decided that i would put um a binding spell on him um to basically just keep him from being able to do a lot of stuff and what i did is um i put some sort of object to like on top of a mirror to to do the thing where it kind of goes into the the mirror world as it were it just gets absorbed into the mirror like that and there was some other shit that i was doing i don't even remember all of the whole thing um like some of it was pretty clever and some of it was not um but i was using a mirror kind of as a ground so that like if somebody tried to look at what i was doing to them like if he tried to like figure out like what spell i was casting on him he'd just get the mirror reflected back at him and he couldn't figure out it was me okay so what happened is that when he noticed that there was his binding spell being cast on him what he tried to do was flood it with energy um i've heard this kind of thing before yeah, and it hit the mirror, and for a while the mirror actually was just reflecting back at him, and that was still working. But eventually, what it did is that it, the he flooded it enough that the mirror actually overflowed into my own environment. Like he blew out essentially the, the grounding. Um, he didn't blow out blow out the spell. Like this was still happening because he kept on flooding it. <laughs> okay. He wasn't able to stop the spell. It was just that like the the shielding that I had in place was not able to properly shield from any of his counters. The real problem was he thought all this time that my friend was casting this spell on him. Oh, so he's And so part at them. of the reason that he was getting so pissy about it is because he thought that it was them doing it and then they were like, "No, I'm not doing anything." And he thought that that person was acting all coy about it. He didn't real. He didn't even think to like look at whether I was doing it. That's funny. So he like he got all pissed off about it. So yeah, like the the idea that I spent like I spent a lot of my college years talking about demons around my friends. Okay. Like a lot openly and this talking was one of your about working. Yes, openly talking about working with demons in front of my friends in my apartment with sigils. I was like spending a lot of my spare time translating, like you know, um, runes in Hebrew, and you know, working through like grimoires with a notebook. So, and, and in the apartment he was in, next and to me while I was doing it, and he just never figured out <laughs> that so, I was actually doing this. <laughs> so, moral of story. What would you kind of like sum that up with? Um, well, people are for, stupid. on my end, because I feel that people were doing stupid things on both ends of this equation, except for my friend who actually didn't do anything. <laughs> they actually had no part of this. I feel bad. Um, I feel that I was meddling a bit too much with my roommate's stuff, like in a way that was not going to be effective, nor would it really like accomplish much in the end but i was also like a very uppity 25 year old so like you know that's what you do in fact i could have been doing much more uppity things at 25 um uh, the mirror thing is good to a certain extent but you need to be using other things as well and and really think about what happens whenever somebody tries to flood you like you know get get a better place for that stuff to drain off um on his end like if i were in his position like my my little lesson there would be like could you just pay attention like and and the thing is he i think he really severely underestimated me because i never really seemed like a threat um 
Well, I, I have that nature to me. Like, people just kind that, of assume that see, I'm that, very nice. That would probably be my very first tip. Yes. Actually. So, here's the thing about magicians, and I may have said this to people on the podcast before. I know I say it all the time elsewhere, but this is something that people need to understand about magicians, all of us. Like, that means most of my listeners. Most of our listeners, you guys, you fall under this category as well. It'll just be, you know, how do you fall under it? M- magicians largely fall under the category of four things, four qualities that we all seem to share. We're smart, we're lazy, we're arrogant, and we're creative. I S-L-A-C, I call us slackers. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a thing. Some of us use our intelligence in different ways, like some of us are more intuitive um, emotionally, and that's how our intelligence helps us but um some of us process through uh study and research way faster than others do some people are really smart in an imaginative way which allows them to understand a a heavy abstract concept that others don't get really easily and some of us have really strong street smarts and intuition about behavior and all that kind of stuff it just depends on your inclinations and where you're smart but you are smart. I mean, magicians always think too much. We always, we're, we're, we're aware of stuff that other people don't even think of, and that's why we're good at this. We're also, all of us, really fucking lazy. I mean, I'm sorry. I know some of you are going to be offended by this, but it's true. You're... There's a difference between laziness and, like, you know, I, I don't have the spoons to move today. Right. That's not what I'm talking about. That's a completely different story. The lazy is, like, we're all of us trying to work smart and not work hard. We're trying to find the the greatest amount of outcome with the least amount of work. That's one of the reasons we do magic. We do magic because we want things to come true in the way that we want them to come true without us having to pay too heavy of a price to do it in the physical world. That's where it starts. Um, then there's the arrogant part, and this is the part that really kind of reflects on Felix's story here. Um, when and it's very important for you to understand this when you start getting together with like roommates um who are magical the arrogance means it doesn't matter how hard you try to explain to people they're not going to agree with you unless you are already telling them something that they already think they are are going to have their opinions and their perspectives and they're going to think that they're legit so many roommate situations so many living situations and relationships between you and other magicians start with the idea that you are supposed to respect other people's beliefs i'm going to be the first person to tell you listen to auntie rune here don't nobody's beliefs deserve automatic respect just because they believe them everything in this world needs to be based on merit when you are when you're dealing with a meritocracy when you're dealing with an environment that is based on your ability to make things happen results and magic is a profession so if someone is talking to you about their magical capacity, their magical ability, look for the results. Pay no attention to what they believe about those results. Pay only attention to what is being accomplished and work from there. Make your own decisions and your own assessments. And don't hesitate to call bullshit out if you need to, unless you're in an unsafe environment, in which case keep your mouth shut and protect yourself. Do what is necessary for self-care. Yeah, if it's not safe to call somebody out, that's when you quietly work to undermine someone. Precisely. That's the other thing. You have a competency. You have a skill inside of you. Test it. Try it out. 
if you're a person who is in an unsafe environment and i gotta tell you i can't tell you how many freaking roommates i've had who have been unsafe to live with and i don't know why anybody even allowed them out of the loony bin um like they should have been arrested for child endangerment they should have been they should have been put away from other people because they're hostile and unsafe and deranged that kind of stuff I learned really quick early on in my life because I went through abuse as a kid how to cast really powerful binding spells and I'm not talking about the kind of I bind you from doing harm Nancy blah 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 nonsense (laughs) I'm talking about end of the movie doesn't need tools looks her in the eye and uses her power to fuck that girl up so that her sanity shatters I'm talking about I once caused a man to have a heart attack I didn't mean to it was an accident um, that kind of binding. The part where you bind their body to their actions so that if they don't act the way you want or if they act against your binding, their 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 blood vessels start to pop and their eyes start to turn red and they start to, to hemorrhage. That kind of shit. I learned how to cast really powerful bindings and I'll tell you what's needed. Serious desperation. Use your magic. Learn how to use it. Because you have a power you have a competency and if another person in that environment tries to convince you that you don't have any power to stop them that is the that's the moment when you get to prove them wrong you get to use your powers against them so uh i want to spin off of that a little bit okay well hold on a second i'm not done. okay um oh you've got more well i just want to get to the whole creative part they're just oh. as creative as you are. They're going to come up with a solution that you did not think of. If you try to use your magic on them and everything else is even, don't be surprised. If your magic is the aggressor, it will fail. Don't be surprised if it does. Be prepared for that and come up with like six different contingencies because you can be the most creative. Okay, go. Okay, so uh, you've got your, your binding spell that causes a heart attack. Whoops. Yeah, um, that, was, that was awful. It was I had really the... awful. Well, I did. I this one I don't consider awful, but I do consider it a moment of hey, everyone out there, you can do this to this level. Um, I had to get rid of a very toxic roommate, and I made him move across the country. Oh, good. He moved from from the west coast to the east coast. Um, he did it at the time that I wanted it to happen by, and um, he did it post haste as soon as I cast my spell on the conditions that I put on. Um, and I also know that he was aware that someone was doing magic up on him in the house. And um, it didn't help. It didn't help that he was aware because he was aware too late. Um, yeah. To give you an idea, like if you've got somebody who, um, let's say you have a roommate who's really sloppy and he doesn't clean up his dishes, <laughs> guess what? It's gross, but whatever he left on that dish is an extremely convenient um, ingredient in-, in targeting a binding or banishing spell. Yeah. After I cast that banishing spell, all of his plates came upstairs like super clean. And there you go. And, like, there was no other... Like, I did... I don't do stuff like, you know, brag online or brag around places that I, like, you know, I've taken care of things. Oh, this won't be a problem much longer. Like, I don't do that stuff. I wait until, like, you know, their their goose is cooked, and maybe three years later I'll brag about it on a podcast. Well, there you go. I have an issue with the idea of bragging about your magic in general, so this is one of the biggest, like hostile moments for me when i have a roommate um like don't i mean seriously i like some of my greatest successes came from like my greatest failures
bragging is not really cool. Now, if you're like swapping stories back and forth, where you're really like you're listening to the other person's story and you're saying, "No, that's really cool. I think that's really neat." That's different because then you're actually having a conversation and an exchange. Right, but I I generally say there should be a reason for it. Like, if I start talking about oh. If I start talking about a particular spell that I've cast, it's usually because I see somebody casting something. I'm like, oh, that reminds me of, like, November of 2011, and then I'll start telling the story. Um, Although, to be fair, that date is completely impossible because I've lived with my family since then, so no. Uh, But anyway, like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that reminds me of the thing when I did the thing. You know, did you remember to do the thing over here? Because that one really got me in the ass. You know, that kind of thing. Um, trying to be helpful is different from bragging, but or if you're not just like, much you know, different. If you're having a fun conversation when you're talking about awesome things, yeah, like when, then that's that's when you're like you know that's a precisely. good time to bring it out. And that's generally what I generally say to people: if you're in a roommate situation and someone starts you know talking about all of their success and whatever, and and you're kind of over here going, "Sure, Jan." Um, advice unasked for is advice unwanted and um sharing your own stories when they're bragging is probably going to be unhelpful to the situation so rather than tell one of your own stories to kind of keep up in those situations when you've not been invited if you've not been invited to share your own stories which is actually more common than you might think people are egotistical fucks um if you've not been invited ask them pointed questions about their story because I'm almost certain that the story that they are telling you is going to have holes in it. Sometimes it's just, like, complete and utter fabricated bullshit. Exactly. And, and they so, don't like it when you start asking deep questions. But then. it's the best way to handle them because they'll stop doing it. Oh, yeah, de- agreed. Because, like, I've had, um, you know, people just just drop the conversation, like, find a reason to stop talking to me. You know, they, like, you know, if it's an online chat, they just leave. If it's a, a real in-person room, they just, like, walk out. Right. So I had a, an interaction with a, a roommate a while ago. Uh, God, this was like over a decade ago. Um, but I had an interaction with one of my roommates. Um, he was very enamored of his own like mystical prowess. He believed that he was quite competent at everything. He just he was full of himself. And so um, he one day he says to me, "Okay, don't go in the basement." And I was like, okay, why? And he's like, because I'm going to be doing a major working. I'm like, I, and I left it alone. So I just stayed out of his space for a good long time. Um, nothing was happening that I could sense whatsoever. And so I figured, all right, if he is actually competent enough to ward well enough that I can't detect his magic at all, that's pretty competent. And then I need to kind of give him another look. Um, but I'm suspecting that nothing is happening down there. Like, I'm suspecting that nothing is happening down there. So, um, he gets finished doing this major working. It's supposed to be about him getting a new job. And he comes upstairs, and he's, you know, he looks none the worse for wear. He's pretty much dressed the same way. He's not sweating or anything. So, I'm like, whatever it is, it couldn't have exerted him that much. He couldn't be that that tired. Um, But he goes in, and he starts making food. And I'm like, so, um, how long do you think it'll take? And he looks at me with this imperious look on his face and says workings of this nature are very delicate and their timing is not precise and i can't believe that a a seasoned practitioner like you would even think to ask such a question and i looked at him i said 
most of my conjurations take about a week to fulfill. And he just went stone. Like, he just went stone. And I'm like, the small ones are easy. I And I was literally trying to kind of, like, open up the conversation and get him to not be, like, all stone face. And I said to him, well, hey, uh, if this is, like, really that complicated, would you like a little assistance? Can I throw some magic in your direction? Um, and then he said, no, thank you, but that's not necessary. I've got it handled. And I said, I know it's not, it's kind of gauche to ask about what it's about, but I assume it has something to do with your job situation. So, um, you've put in your applications and stuff like that, right? And I, <laughs> and that was when he, that was when he got mad and left the room. Um, later on, he told our other roommates that he was not uh, interested in having magical conversations with me anymore because I was too snoopy and um, that I was trying to get involved too much in his situation. And, like, I was just offensive. So it turns out that he felt awkward, like, that I was asking questions at all because he didn't feel confident in his own magical practice, which I understand. Um, I, I mean, shit, I have problems with my own practice sometimes. Um, and back then I was not as gifted as, or not as, like, trained as I am now even. Um, but the awkward situation that was brewed up around it, people who lie don't like questions. They get uncomfortable. People who cover up their weaknesses, people, like, roommates are never going to want you to see their vulnerability. They're never going to want you to see their mistakes in judgment, their errors in thinking. They're never going to want you to see when they fuck something up royally. They don't want you to know that sort of stuff. Even if they're like close friends with you, there are going to be moments where they need you to think of them the way they want to present themselves. So they're going to try to keep you out. That privacy is something you should give them. You should leave it there because seriously you don't have a right to that information and i actually learned from that experience that i shouldn't have been probing um but i also learned that he was full of shit so i mean you learn one thing you learn another yeah actually so like what i'm gathering from this and also i i've seen this i've been in, in both sides of this interaction really um like one whenever you're asking somebody else questions like if they're really sensitive to questions just drop it like, if somebody is super sensitive to questions about their practice, one, like, it's a kind of a warning sign that they're, like, they're not someone that's going to really be able to teach you right now if they can't answer questions. Um, and it, well, I true. found that hypersensitivity to questions, like, it's never, a, I've never found it, like, an indication to keep asking more questions like the the more i would try to like you know maybe find a better question to ask maybe find a better avenue of conversation like you know they just like completely and utterly avoid the subject i'm like oh well dang well, yeah. i'm not here to like you know pry into you and all of your secrets and undermine you because like i could do that without prying into your secrets but i don't want to say it like that because it sounds kind of creepy let's move on right um, well and i think that this is this has kind of been this has been an issue that I've had with a lot of my roommates. My my first real talent at magic was divination. And uh, I always warned people that, uh, you know, hobbies include singing, reading, writing, and spying on people with tarot cards. Yeah. Um, you know, literally, don't keep things from me because I'll find out. Um, and I think that was intimidating to them in general. So they didn't want to answer questions at all. 
and I had a conversation with one of my roommates uh, well technically she's my ex-girlfriend so um, about this particular subject wherein we were living together and I had made some sort of casual comment about that and she said to me I find that offensive and she said I think it's rude that you pry into people's affairs using your cards mind you this is the same person who mm-hmm. was gleefully spying on one of our co-workers at the same time using tarot cards uh, and I was there with her and she had our roommate working with her on it and so I looked at her and I said is it because I'm the one doing it because I saw you and our roommate doing it the other day and she again they get quiet when you call them out on their crap mm-hmm. and she and then she said to me you use the things that you learn for evil yep. and that was like we had already broken up and at this point it was just like a matter of time but like I remember listening to that and going um what uh what <laughs> and because my rule has always been if i find something out using the cards and it's none of my business i keep it to myself that's a very good rule i was going to tell the audience about that one it's none of my business um but these people don't want me to know about it because i can whether they want me to or not and that's what it comes down to when you're a magician whether you're living with people who are gifted or not you are you're able to do things that they are not necessarily able to do because no magician is the same there are going to be a handful of tools that we all can learn to practice easily but you're going to have your own specializations and so these people like that you are going to interact with if you're friends and you're close and that sort of thing great but a lot of times friendships sour and the more people know about you after that point happens the less they're going to trust you because they soured for a reason and usually because you didn't fit the pattern that they were trying to aim for this is the reason why i hate living with roommates i much prefer living with family because i know i can trust those people otherwise i wouldn't be family with them and that's family of choice just so we're clear that's my husband's that I'm talking about. I don't want to live with people that I'm not in an intimate, close relationship with because I can't vet those people. And friendships splinter far more easily than marriages do. So following up on like a lesson there is um, when you move on to another roommate and you move out with the person you were living with previously and they're a magical practitioner and like you have any reason to suspect they might do anything against you, guess what? It's time to do protections. It's time to do uncrossings and do them for a couple months afterwards at least. Because like there are people in the magical community who like anybody who can do magic, like a lot of them are very petty or they get paranoid and whenever you move out and something bad happens to them, they may assume that you fucked them up. Uh, I will tell you this gets even worse if you've had a relationship with those people, like a romantic one. Yeah, I haven't even mentioned the relationship part. I think we need a separate podcast just on relationships, because we've been kind of focusing just on cohabitation. Right, but if you've lived with them, no matter what kind of your relationship is with them, what kind of relationship you have, um, do this. This is smart. Do cleansings, do uncrossings, do unbinding rituals, etc., do not expect that all of your ending situations with your roommates are going to be peaceable. Do not rely upon that. Uh, seriously, go in expecting the worst. Um, 
I'm going to warn you to do this. Be prepared to deal with Fallout. My exes, my ex-roommates, like, and I'm not just talking about my ex-girlfriend because I, I broke up with her, um, and she is one of these people, but like a bunch of the people that I lived with. I, unlike Felix, where people underestimated Felix and thought he was not the magician, um, like the one doing the magic, everybody blames me for their shit. Like, I'm not even kidding. I was accused of sending nightmares to my ex-girlfriend for years. Uh, oddly enough, I was suffering those same nightmares, so I don't know if she wasn't casting them and I wasn't casting them, I don't know where they came from, but I will tell you what. Who's flying the plane? Exactly. If you're not throwing nightmares and I'm not throwing nightmares, then who's flying the plane? Um, I don't know. I, I attributed it to trauma from the breakup. But here's the thing. I was not like it wasn't just those of us who were in romantic relationships accusing me of throwing these spells my good friends who i lived with were also accusing me of this to the point where they did magic they stole my stuff they stole books that i was very fond of and stuff off of my altar and used a a nasty spell to try to break my power structure and I'm over here going, I am my power structure. I don't know why you would think that would work, but seriously, y'all are stupid. That's I, some Hollywood shit. It is so dumb, and it is so high school teen witch drama. And it was just so stupid. And we're like in our twenties, our late 20s and early 30s. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I find out about this through a friend, of course. Like, she took pictures of the remainder of stuff and was like is any of this stuff yours and there was like stuff that was burned and all this kind of trash i was like all of it was mine she's like wow she's like well um so yeah they tried to do a, a a magic against you to try to make you leave them alone and i'm like well i was already leaving them alone so I was blamed for literally everything. And you're going to run into this a lot. I don't want to make this into like a sob story because I don't really care actually anymore. Um, and also that's not who I am. I don't do the sob story thing. But I do want you guys to take a cautionary tale from it. When you are a magician, when you're an occultist, even if you're just a dabbler, people are going to be suspicious of you. When you get into these encounters with people where you trust them and you open up to them, there are layers of discretion you should maintain. And the way that I always tell people um, is based on the old stuff that we have in my tradition, the old the old rules about sharing with people what you, that you can do and what you're capable of. Don't share anything about your practice except the outcome that they can easily observe with anybody who is not in a magical uh, coven like bond with you. Don't share. Just don't share. And my reason for saying that to you is if a person knows how you cast a spell, they can know how to undo it. And you cannot always trust that those people are going to be loyal to you. They Even when you guys are in a convenient environment where you all work together and you all like each other, that doesn't mean that they're loyal to you. So unless you know they're loyal to you because of testing and proof, don't share any of the things that you are capable of, save for what they can observe for themselves. Keep your shit to yourself. And we'll talk more about like how you can do that in a minute. 
for those people who are closer to you, like who are in coven bond with you or family bond, that kind of thing, for those people, still don't share everything with those people. Share stuff you're capable of. Share certain techniques that you use. Talk about your stories, like Felix was saying. They've proven that they're trustworthy and they're worthy of knowing some of the things you've done and some of the things that you're capable of doing. Share those things. But one thing you never share with anyone you keep to yourself is the sources of your true power. The secrets that motivate you. The, the, the real source of your magic. And if you don't know what it is yet, great. That means you can't share it with anyone. That is a very good protection. Yes. Keep that shit to yourself, and then when they start slinging their spells at you, it's going to hit against stuff and glance off because they don't understand everything about you. In magic, we have the Witch's Pyramid, the Riddle of the Sphinx, the Powers of the Magus, and one of the tenets that even stage magicians use to this day is shut your mouth and don't tell everybody everything. Be silent. And I cannot stress when you're interacting with other people, whether they be mundane or mystical, keep your mouth shut. Don't share everything. I know you guys want to because I wanted to and still often do. I know that a lot of you do that. Those of you who don't have a problem with that, those of you who have no problem with keeping your mouth shut, awesome. Tell a friend. Teach them well, how to keep quiet. Well, don't tell a friend. Well, don't <laughs> tell a friend all your secrets, but teach them how to keep quiet too. They don't really need you to tell them that because they're always so good at keeping their secrets. Right, exactly. I want to add a corollary to keeping secrets. Um, I've lived with some people who thought they were very secretive. Um, and they weren't. And you've, you've talked with some people who thought they were very secretive. Oh. And they were not. Because if you... <laughs> it, it takes some self-examination and like you're gonna have to like start looking when you talk and when you say things and when you're talking to another person kind of to view yourself from outside of yourself like you're a, a, an actor like a character in a movie and think is what i'm saying does that sound suspicious like whenever they're asking about a certain subject and i don't want to talk about it so i immediately change the subject and that happens about three times in the same damn conversation and i don't have a good reason to do it might that suggest that actually that topic they're trying to prod is an important topic and therefore i've already given away that it's important and possibly i've given away what the truth is because i've tried to avoid telling it in such a way that it's really obvious right and i actually have rules about discretion as far as that goes like I'm not allowed to lie according to my magical practice, but I'm also not supposed to share things that I don't have a reason to share, like an important reason to share that outweighs the keeping of the secret. Keeping the secret is usually the default. So I tend to be very uh, obscure or oblique about things that I don't want to talk about. And um, like if I'm, if I'm talking about some sort of thing that is secretive or something to that effect, and I say things that are, like, oblique, I say things that are vague, and I find myself saying vague things, I go, oh, I'm in a situation where I don't want to have this conversation anymore. And so my immediate response to, to someone is, so we should change the subject because I feel like I'm being probed, you know, or something to that effect, or I'll just say, yeah, you know, that thing that you keep asking me, I don't really want to answer it, so I guess I'm just not going to. But understand that your answer even when it's a non-answer is an answer people say yeah, you're, you're giving away something whatever it is you people say, say, say so much through their silence and that's the point it's not about keeping secrets from people all the time it's about it's about you not being the person who gives things away giving yourself also, enough room 
if you talk about things in a certain way and you don't call attention to them, that nobody knows it was a secret and they probably won't even remember it. Right. Because um, it sounds forgettable. You know, and it's funny. Um, I had a story told to me by an Anderson Ferry practitioner years ago uh, about Victor Anderson, wherein he was at PantheaCon one year and he hosted a very big ritual. And he, during that ritual, it was a big fairy ritual. And um, they during the ritual, he said a bunch of things that were oath-bound to be secret according to the various lineages that descended from him. Now, I have had it confirmed that he didn't actually have any oath-bound secrets. He flat out said, nothing I taught was secret. Um, He kept it secret only in the matter of, like, that it was that important. So anyway, he spoke these secret names that were kept secret from the whole world, and nobody was supposed to know them apparently he never said that but anyways he spoke these secret names in the ritual and all of the anderson fairy practitioners who were initiated into the fairy practice um gasped and that gave away to all of the non-fairy practitioners that something was up and so he was accosted after the ritual by several of his initiates how could you do that how could you share our secrets how could you give away such an important secret in public? And he said, I never shared that those things were important. You did. You gave it away. Um, Herman Slater and Ed Bazinski, uh, I think that's how they pronounce his name. Anyways, uh, were, um, they, they ran a thing called, uh, they ran a, a shop called The Magical Child. And they had a, a, a series of like little books and things that they released and so on and so forth. And one of their favorite things to say was, uh, guard the mysteries, reveal them constantly. That is really good advice for those of you who are trying to keep your secrets. Don't keep them by never talking about them. Keep them by making them commonplace. Deceive by telling the truth. Reveal truths only for those with the eyes to see. Don't just sit on it. Silence means misdirection. The more dramatic something is, the less important it is. The more important it is, the less likely it is to appear important. Keep that in mind. Um, yeah, sorry, go. Yeah, I want to, like... I, something interesting is that... So you're taking classes from me on Patreon. I am. You, you've said that I should mention my Patreon more often. So it's at patreon.com slash Felix Warren. Um, he has a Patreon, take... and he teaches really cool classes, and you guys should really look into that. Yeah, I've got art that you can you can download there as well. Um, but you're taking that class there, and sometimes there are things that I, I tell you whenever you're asking more about the class material, and I explain them to you, right. or I you know write them down in the class material, and you read them, and you're like, oh wow, I never realized that about like you know the thing that you're teaching about. But it's actually something that I know I've told you like several times before. Yes. And you didn't remember that I told you that because whenever I was talking about it, I didn't make it seem like it was like Important. the ultra secret that was locked behind an iron chest. Right. Which actually, um, that dovetails into a, a further conversation about the wards and good protections. So here's a little secret. Um, I'm going to share this with you guys, and I bet a bunch of you are going to forget it. Um, but the things in my practice, in my tradition, that are... Um, not supposed to be known by people who are not initiated if the uninitiated hear them they forget the whole conversation what did you say shut up 
<laughs> Brad. I've, I've literally had this happen to me, yes. by the way, people in the audience. <laughs> I'm not, this is not a brag. This is actually something that you guys should take into account. Good protections are so good that they have an elegance to them that goes beyond the, the bounds of their original limitations. Um, a lot of people, when they put together house protections for their homes, uh, if you're in a, a, a like a roommate situation, this can be a really serious mess because a lot of people, not only uh, not only the incompetent ones, but the competent ones who just practice a different kind of magic from you, don't know how to layer their protections with yours so that it all works together in a seamless whole. Oh, I want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. we'll get to that in a second. Um, but I wanted to say to you, really competent magicians learn how to do that. They learn how to balance their magic with other practitioners and learn how to accommodate that. My house, if you're not invited, you forget the address. You forget how to get here. Even if you've been here a million times, my own mother does not know how to find my house. God, I wonder if she's listening. Hi, Mom. Um, but, like, it's not hard to find someone's house with GPS. But literally, if you're not invited, the protections will not allow you to find the place. I rarely have to worry about a lot of different kinds of things that most magicians worry about because I learned how to protect against them by basing my my protections on my experiences things that i have encountered over the years it becomes easier to protect yourself if you're if you're competent because you pay attention to your own experience when you work with magicians who are competent equally who have had a lot of experience um, you talk to them and find out their experiences and you go okay how would you deal with that let's do something about it just recently i told my husband you know hey on top of the car protections we have in our vehicle we might want to put a charm in there for making a good parking spot. Oh, yeah. Because it's been something that we've had trouble with lately. The thing is, Greg doesn't have a problem with that because he has a magic of his own that allows him to always have good parking. It's very annoying, actually. So if he's the driver, it's fine. Right. But for the rest of us, it's not always easy. So I'm like, maybe we should put something in there. And he just doesn't even think of it. So, But he's like, okay. And so we're doing the thing. Um, so on the subject of balancing your magic with other practitioners who are not a similar practice from you this is not just protections this is not just house wards this is not just um happy home enchantments this is literally everything this is if you need to go down in the basement and do magic this is if you want to cast a spell and you don't want to mess up everybody else's stuff there are some special rules that you need to think about if you live in a communal space where there is literally no private space for you to be casting your spells, which is what we have in my house, the space that you set aside for doing ritual magic that you might do your practice in, for example, if the only space is the living room, the only space is the kitchen, the only real space is that office space that you guys all keep, you need to make sure that what you put in there is compatible with everybody everybody needs to be looking towards compatibility your tools need to be focused on compatibility one such method can be for the house to have its own tradition that it does together for example in my house we have a kind of magic that is based on our geekomantic practices because it is the one thing that all of us can easily agree upon we also are all part of a coven and so recently like within the last 10 years um that's not really recent a lot of people are going to be like that's not really recent but whatever sorry for the last 10 years or so um uh we've been practicing magic 
in the house centered around our coven practice as well so yay us um <laughs> but uh so that makes it a little easier because we're all a part of the same coven but in circles or in houses where i'm not in a circle with everybody i'm not in a coven with everyone we don't have a common practice at all it has become very janky for us any of us to do any magic at all if you have your own room that pretty much becomes the only place you can do magic because everything else in the house is like jangling vibes and arguing spaces and you spaces that are used for someone's stuff and like you can't put an altar there because people like to put their keys and their sewing shit there you can't use the coffee table because that's where we keep all of the video game materials you know you can't you can't use this particular room because i'm i'm doing a sewing project i'm doing a crafting project i'm doing a some sort of project that's where we eat dinner rune you know that kind of thing it's important for you all to harmonize your space together and that means harmonizing your mystical spaces together as well finding ways to work with people and this is not something that magicians learn when they're early it's when you're early when you're young it's more important for you to know how things work and you think that how you understand things work is the only way they work because you're just learning you're learning what is coming to you um, so take some time to talk about similarities of practice and then create a space that's based on them find a common goal maybe uh, all of you seem uh, similarly connected to the imagery of a raven so you do all of your magic based on raven magic there you go everybody has an affinity in your house for weather and wind okay so you put stuff about wind and storms on there and do all of your magic based on that for the house when you're in the house otherwise you have to learn how to develop a portable kit which I like to refer to as a bug out bag and that's the have magic will travel Yes. There's some other approaches to doing it with, um, to making it work whenever you've got several people living in the same space who don't have a, a tradition that gels together or a system that gels together. Right. And I've, I've experienced ups and downs to this. Currently, I'm living in the ups. Oh, good. Because, like, you've been over to my house. I've, you know, on my floor, I've got my rooms. On the top floor, I've got a roommate, and he does his own stuff up there. And we are both practitioners. We have completely different practices, work with completely different entities, to completely different goals. You know, we talk sometimes, we're friendly and all, but, like, you know, if I'm going to, like, you know, cut loose with a ritual or something, like, you know, he has no idea. And the reason he has no idea is because my protections and my wards on my floor are set up to where he doesn't have to listen to my noise right well it doesn't leak over and you have the luxury of having that much space because yes. most people uh who have that kind of a space can can just you do yours and i'll do mine and separate your space into the this is this is where the angel wing goes you know that well i've also done it i've also done it where like i only had my room right and that like because like, usually when you have a roommate situation like you everybody a has a room exactly like, that's how renting works right so when i only had my room to keep to it um, I still managed to to make it work within the rest of the house. Like simply just you know made think made sure that you know my room was set up to where it's its own little universe. Right, and that's um, and that's actually really um, competent for sorcery. Like sorcerers are really able to do that. That's really important. Um, those of you who have learned how to do it, you're probably practicing sorcery and good on you. For witches, we're like witches are are organic. They are the conduit of their magic. So everywhere they are their magic is but literally everything they touch is covered with their magic so that can be really complicated 
oh yeah, I'm not saying that there weren't like interhouse issues. Uh, I will say that if you like have your own room that's like kind of your own place, then that place is like more you than anything. Right. And that would be the place I would suggest you do things. And that's assuming you have your own room. Because we are really assuming right now that when we talk about magical roommates, these are people that you live with, but you don't necessarily sleep with. You know? Yeah, like, and sometimes they, they are... Sometimes, you know, your, your space is... Like, sometimes you live in a car. Right. Like, um, you know, we're not saying that, like, you know, all these situations are going to be ideal. Um, all of my roommate situations have been, like, you know, I at least have... Uh, no, actually, I've had a couple of times where I was living on a couch. Um, and I, that that became its own issue. I'd like... I'd rather put that, like, in a different podcast, actually, because it's, it, it has so many, like... Let's do one on tight spaces, basically. Right. Um, that's more on the portable magic thing, but whenever I was living where I had a room, and the other person had a room, and the other person had a room, back in that, that first, uh, situation I was talking about, where we had that guy, and then my friend, and us all in that one place. Yes. Um, my friend works with angels. They were in the room next to mine. I work with demons. And it was kind of like... The wall between our rooms was made. Uh, of it's perdition like the line itself. between heaven and hell. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's the flames of perdition. <laughs> I mean, I I work well with angels now, especially more so because I was friends with them for so long, and I got to know angels through them for so long because of that. Oh. Um, but like, there was one point where uh, it was early in my work with the court and i decided that i always wanted to have like uh, recently i had managed to get um their seals their seals from the ars goetia um hand cast according to the proper astrology by an actual like worker of ceremonial magic and he's literally like um a shopkeeper that shows up in rpgs because i would find him at the florida renaissance festival he would just be there. He's called the Village Alchemist. Sweet. And, like, I, I've never been able to find him actually show up on a schedule. I cannot contact him via the internet or whoever runs his business now. Like, literally, this guy is the random encounter in RPGs. So, I managed to score all of my talismans from him. Um, and I was really proud of them. And so I had them all face up on my altar to the court demons. Apparently... This was a little bit cranked up to 11, um, so and at some point, <laughs> it was so extra. This was, like, like quite a lot extra, and it was just really unnecessary. Um, and But, like, the court wasn't just going to, like, not go up to 11 if I was allowing them to go up to 11. They are like, yeah, let's crank it. Like, if you want to crank it, then we're, we're, we're up there at that volume. And so the angels next door like tapped my roommate and and they were like hey like could you tell your roommate that it's getting a bit loud in there it's not that we can't deal with this just that it's a bit loud in there and kind of like very politely suggesting like hey we don't want to reenact like you know the the fall of the fall yeah the 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 war of the fall that i don't actually believe in but like you know (laughs) i'm just i'm they didn't actually say we don't want to reenact the fall we didn't actually talk about that kind of shit um it was more like 
we don't want to invent <laughs> this war when you're just trying to live next to each other and we're and there's literally nothing going on. Could could you maybe ask him if he could tone it down a bit? And I was actually a little bit put off for a bit because it's like, how dare you? How dare angels ask all, me to like you know? You. How how dare angels ask me to turn my demon shit down? Right. Um, <laughs> but after like that little bit of miffedness, I'm like, yeah, you know, this is a bit extra. Right. And I turned it down because all you need when you've got your own room, you know, I there are many houses out there of several magical practitioners and it's like several janky rooms. Right. Of everybody's like, you know, little wizard universe like conflicting against the other. And it's like you when you have a house where you, several magical practitioners live together, if you just are constrained to one room, have it be your own world that is your universe that is all for you and everything you know that's great it's it's your kingdom but remember the walls the other side of that wall is someone else's right and the more that you make that not conflict with theirs the less energy you have to put out for one because it's if you've got conflicting wards and conflicting magic running up against each other that's a lot of like that's a lot of effort and a lot of headache for you well and you know see this has been a, like a, a struggle for me I learned how to create a set of wards that locked out literally everything about my my roommate's life. Everything. Unfortunately, it created sort of a sterile field inside, so it meant that there was very little in the way of power I could work with, and I was still very energy-worky at the time, so that was very stifling. Um, mm. My thought, like, the way that I've learned how to do it is when you live with people you're in a communal situation even if you guys have your own rooms and if you're in a situation where you're living in your own rooms and it's like we don't talk to each other that is a very hostile place it is so my trick has been to get everybody to focus on a communal altar for the house that represents our family as a group like having magic doing magic working together that kind of a thing and having that be someplace safe in the house that helps keep us healthy. There are going to be disagreements between people. This happens. One of the reasons why I don't like living with roommates is because there is, when you have a disagreement with a roommate, when you have a disagreement with a friend, there is literally nothing requiring them to even give any ground whatsoever. So either you're going to become a doormat about it, or you're going to become a bitch. And either way is unhealthy. When you're in a, a friendship situation, if you're dealing with a good, kind person who is willing to give ground, be very grateful for those people because they are not, they're few and far between. Most people, their egos are so strong that they are just going to argue with you just to argue. Like, if, if you can't come to an agreement about one thing, they'll find another thing to argue with you about. Or they'll, they'll passive-aggress and they'll slink off and they'll do their little hidey thing. It's very frustrating. So my goal has always been in roommate situations to create a, a peaceable environment where everybody is working together towards a common goal that way if you have your own sacred space to your own self that just involves your own stuff that is sacrosanct and no one can come in then you're not likely to be pressing against the guy next door to you the other room because you're already harmonized and working well together now Felix's way is going to work in some circumstances. My way is going to work in other circumstances. And in other areas, you're going to need to come up with your own thing. because. And I think you can actually combine those two. Hopefully. But the fact of the matter is, it gets complicated. Politics become complicated when working with people. 
when living with people, especially when living with people who don't agree with you or don't believe in the things that you believe in or don't invest in the things you invest in. And when I say beliefs, by the way, I'm not talking about what gods are real. I'm, I will tell you, uh, I am an asshole when it comes to people's religious beliefs because they don't believe in anything. I interact with spirits and gods, so I don't have to believe in those. They exist. It's clear from my interaction. Um, I don't have to believe in anything like that. When I say beliefs, I'm talking about morality. I'm talking about principles. I'm talking about philosophy. Um, I will never live with another nihilist. Ever. Nihilists are perfectly comfortable with throwing your hands up and going, nothing matters, leaving the, the dishes to rot in the sink and leaving the floors unvacuumed and their clothing unwashed and their rooms smell like death and eggs and shit like that, like rotten eggs. And they don't have any problem with any of that because nothing matters. I will never live with another person who believes that because I have a bad enough time with household chores as it is. I hate doing chores. To live with someone who actively cultivates death and entropy because they literally don't care and you cannot get them to care, huge mistake. So, uh, we've kind of talked this subject quite down. Do we have more? Yeah, I've got one little thing. Your turn. Um, Back whenever we were talking about um, whenever you leave um, a roommate or whatever and, um, you know some some magic it's thrown your way um you talked about how like you you left a space and then people or you were even living in a space and people were assuming that you were you were chucking magic at absolutely them, and then they like you know tried to fuck with constantly you. what i want to i want people to realize is when you think magic is being chucked at you for one verify it you know get get your divination out get and get good divination out don't ask that one person that like you know you get janky divinations from and they like you know just like they're ne- they're not reliable get some reliable fucking divination yeah go see um, a professional if necessary yeah and it, like you know get someone who's who's like you know recommended and y- you can trust get get some answers you can trust and see what's going on with it you need to verify one, that magic is happening. Two, w- w- what it's doing. And three, who it's actually coming from, because it may not be who you think. Okay, now, I gotta point something out, though. Mm-hmm. People who do that, not from me, but from this tree trick, divination will not necessarily indicate who the person actually is. If you're smart enough to ask right, you might be able to trick it into telling you the truth. But there are ways to conceal what is going on from even someone's divinatory skills. So, you're going to have to think very cleverly. If someone is doing that thing where they're concealing it so that the only thing that you get is a mirror, Felix, okay, <laughs> that sometimes throws people off. Um, in general, reality will speak for itself, but if someone is deliberately trying to conceal their actions, you may not get any wind of it. You are not a god. You are not all-powerful. You're not supposed to be. Don't be surprised if you fuck it up, and it's okay. Well, I mean, like, you know, if you don't zero in on who it is, if you make the assumption that it is someone, and then you freaking attack them, yeah, and it's actually not them, that's shitty of you. Well, and it's even worse than that, because it's not just that you attacked them without any, like, understanding. Even if they did do the work, you just leaped to conclusions and caused problems for somebody without any confirmation, which probably means that if they're doing magic against you, you probably deserve it. Oh, there is that. See, this is the thing. Never underestimate the possibility that you might be in the wrong. 
oh gosh you might be wrong this is my this is my thing when i say that magicians are arrogant most of you listening to this podcast right now are going to assume that you're right um i always do i assume that i'm innocent i assume that i am kindly beneficent and the best person for the job and i'm often wrong and i have to learn that and i have to be willing to accept it when it happens and it does happen far more often than i want to accept but i try to accept it we are not living in a vacuum and you are not the star of the story and that is unfortunately something that you learn while living with roommates because their lives their beliefs their experiences are just as powerful and life-changing for them as yours are for you they after all are you know composite creatures created by their own experiences and their and their innate talents just like you are they're just as real as you whether they're just as nice as you whether they're just as worthy as you whether they're just as important as you that remains to be seen it depends on your morality and that is a judgment call coming from you um, when I found out that my ex-roommates and my ex-girlfriend cast nasty curses on me, or that they didn't really curse me, they're not capable of doing that, um, they, they threw nasty magic at me, though, using my own merchandise, I was hurt. I am a person who is more than comfortable with throwing negative, nasty spells at people. I am very comfortable with cursing, if it is warranted. But I didn't curse them. I didn't retaliate. Um, in fact, I didn't do any magic to them at all because I wanted to be able to tell people honestly, no, I did not retaliate. I wanted to be able to be a good person even if they were not being good people because I wanted that for me. I wanted to walk away from that and think of myself as a good person. And that is not always a, 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 an option. It's not always a convenience. There have been an awful lot of times when my solution to dealing with roommate situations that had gone untenable was to bug out entirely and just leave. Leave them with the bills, leave them with the, with the debt, leave them with the problems, leave them with the trouble of having to come up with a new roommate, and sometimes they didn't. That was my thing. I just cowardly ran away. Um, it was my solution to an untenable problem. But if you have the option to be noble, you take it. If you have the ability to be strong in a situation, be strong. Tell the truth. Take your lumps. Be willing to hold up to that. The best roommates I've ever had in my life, I only had for a brief amount of time, and they were amazingly cool people. And it was very sad when they moved away. But those people were ethical kind they worked with me they asked questions we learned from each other yeah we had fights and arguments but they were not the center of our relationship and um they taught me that i could look for that in other people so i'm not going to encourage you guys to seek out roommates in hopes that that will happen because i fucking hate roommates this is a personal judgment call and literally you'll notice everything i've said is slanted against roommates um but i am going to tell you that you probably will anyway and if you do, treasure the good ones. Okay, do we have... Yeah, I think it's time for Celtic Crosshairs. Yeah, let's go into our final Divination segment, a.k.a. Celtic Crosshairs, where we answer questions from our fans. And holy shit, you guys have blown up our freaking inbox this last couple We're of not weeks. answering all of these. I, I, I've gotten to the, to, the most, to the one that is the first one we haven't answered, and that was... 
uh, about a month ago that this one has started being in our inbox, I guess. Okay. So, um, yeah. First, let's give us give people the intro. Um, this is Celtic Crosshairs. It's, it's the, the segment where we answer your questions that you ask us. Yes, um, and Felix has some info for you before we start. Yeah, the way that you can ask questions currently, um, if you go to circleofsaltpodcast.tumblr.com, uh, you can ask us a question there. You do need to actually have a Tumblr account to ask a question, because we got a little bit tired of anonymous questions. Um, all you have to do is make a throwaway Tumblr account. It does not have to be one that you've made any posts on whatsoever. You just need to be able to make it from a Tumblr account. Um, and then just fire a question away from there. At some point, we will provide you an email address that you can send questions to. We're just... we. we have not set that up yet but it will be soon so you can send questions to there and that is how questions end up here on this segment um i would also like to point out if we don't get to your question because we are getting a large amount of questions at this point if we don't get to your question um in a reasonable amount of time we are available independently you can contact us independently and be like hey I asked this question, you guys haven't really answered it, and it's been two months. If you just contact me privately, this is Rune, if you contact me at grimoireofgeekery.tumblr.com um, or Lamp and Transgression or one of my blogs, um, I will answer. I will respond. Uh, Felix might not because he's more busy than I am when it comes to the online stuff. Well, and also, let's not let it be unsaid that you offer professional divination services which people can get from you via your tumblr right i mean if they want an in-depth answer on a divination question right and i will say flat out there are some questions that people ask us that we just discard we just we let them go i know that's going to feel kind of shitty to those of you who were doing it too but i gotta tell you some questions are just not answerable on a podcast they're just not easy well, to also, do. some of the questions we've gotten before, I've just out, I've deleted out of hand because they were trolls. Well, sure, but trolls... Yeah, I don't think I you d- even have seen some of them. I, I would not be surprised. But my point is, the, the troll questions, when people when we get those, I don't think the trolls are surprised when we get rid of them. That's true. That's so, true. I, like, you know, surprise, we have standards. Right. So, but if you have a real serious question, feel free to send them to us, um... And if they're really serious and they're time sensitive and you want an answer, yeah, I have a professional service. You guys can always contact me and I'll, I, I can show you my rates and usually it's really cheap to just get a simple question answered. Yeah, Rune is also, like, he's, well, you, you listen to his readings here on the podcast. You know he's a great runer, but I want to endorse Rune as a great runer because I, like, go to Rune to get my questions answered um, and get roundhoused with a deck of har- cards and he never disappoints. Yeah. So... Um, this segment, um, we decided to divine using, like, kind of our our divination systems that we have on the run, because, well, Rune, talk about your situation currently. Well, I'm moving. Um, yeah. Like, and all of my everything is in boxes. We're getting ready to move into a new place. And so I, of course, mentally I'm organized so that I pack up all my occult stuff before I do anything else and so of course all of my occult shit is in boxes that are actually at my friend's uh, condo right now she's storing them for us so that we have more room for other boxes which means I quite literally have half of my stuff here and don't have the ability to pull out extra special things so y'all are dealing with my bug out bag which is the, the kit that I keep together for when I go to work yeah, I do have like a tiny little tip to slide in here. If you have some vital stuff for your practice, that's the stuff that you travel with that goes with you in your car. Yes. Like that's the final box that 
you bring with you you know if you're flying across the country for this move yep. like this is the stuff that goes in your suitcase with yeah. you if you've got vital occult or magical or spiritual stuff like that does not get to go via ups or a moving truck precisely and the thing is like I, I'm set up for so much apparatus around here. Like, this house has had so much magical use. Um, we've done so many rituals here and had so much stuff going on. I have a whole ritual room set aside and everything. I, I'm going to miss that. We're not actually going to lose that. We're going to get our, a new, like, our new place has a ritual room. But um, yeah. I do love this place, and I'm saying goodbye to it with some sorrow in my heart. But um, my, uh, like all of the things that I consider to be necessary now I've become so spoiled because I had so many setups like I have a spell I'm supposed to cast tonight that I can't cast because I don't have a lantern because I packed them all up like I don't even have a candle I can use one of my lamps and I'm like that ain't gonna work so I literally have to wait until I can either dig through one of my boxes and find something which is gonna be impossible or I'm gonna have to go buy a new one and then I'll have to pack it up in a new box but it sucks like I I have all these things and now I have to look into maybe getting a new one (laughs) because yeah anyway that is the the common conundrum so we're using basically the the divination that we'll always have on hand no matter you know where we are what we're doing right and for those of you who know who i am you already know what deck that is it is my pretty shadows they never go anywhere without me that's what i was expecting i actually um i have a deck called the student tarot which rune usually refers to as the stained glass tarot which is made by a student of the same person who made uh your pretty shadows um and this is the reason that this is my to-go deck like technically my most to-go deck is my tarot apps on my phone but um the to-go physical deck this one is very nice because it's very small and so it goes in my bag wherever i go i've always got a tarot deck with me okay time to shuffle so yeah Yes, it is time to shuffle. It is now okay for you to hear shuffling cards on the podcast. Yes, when I don't edit the, this part out because it's like you know ambient noise for divination. It's what you would expect here in the podcast. Right. We could just shuffle our cards as much as we want, like our hair is blowing free in the wind. Yes. Right, firing arrows <laughs> into the glen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read out the first question, and I don't. I'm not quite sure what to make of this one, but here we go. Um, I have a cryptic-ass question for you guys to divine on your podcast. What on earth does this prophecy that keeps showing up in my life entail for me? And why does it keep on calling me the guardian of all things? Sincerely, a rejected guardian of the galaxy. Guardian of the galaxy. I, I love this handle. That is so good. And it's it's why this question didn't sound as overbearing as it could have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, okay, so we've, uh, what does this prophecy entail for me, and why does it keep on calling me the guardian of, of all things? Right. Okay, so, all right. um, yay. Uh, Felix, I'm probably going to have you actually do uh, the questions, because I don't even know where we are. We've received so many questions in the last month. I was planning on that. I've actually, I'm, I'm organized in the inbox, and I am prepared for this. Okay, so I'm going to answer your question. Uh, let me see who wants to talk to us. All right. I don't usually do this with the shadows, but I am today because I feel the need. Oh, we've got the Hierophant, but inverted. Ooh, yikes. Okay, and what are you saying? 
Okay, so the prophecy thing, I don't know what your prophecy is, but I'm going to tell you what they're saying. You got the Justice card, and then you got the Page of Wands and the King of Wands inverted. I'm probably going to upset you or offend you. All right, first of all, your prophecy is being given to you by someone who's catering to either their own desires or yours. They are not advising based on a deep mystery, but rather deceiving based on their own ambition whatever their goal is. It might be to cater to you because they want you to do things their way, or it might be because they're catering to themselves and doing things their own way themselves. But um, I have the Justice card, and that says, the reason you're receiving this prophecy is because you have an overinflated sense of justice. You um, are, you are gifted in your practice, but um, unsure and immature in some of your practice you have the page of wands inverted and you have the king of wands inverted showing and you think you first of all you expect that you have to be better than you are um, the king of wands inverted but you also um, overestimate some of the things that you're capable of doing and so does whatever you're talking to uh, that was really blunt and I'm sorry um, so I want to mention a couple things go you got the um, the Hierophant inverted, nope. first off. Okay, so that's the first card that I drew. See? Um, <laughs> I don't I don't do inversions, um, like because I, it's just not a part of how I read. But um, so I'm not gonna say I got the Hierophant inverted because it, like I don't do inversions. Um, but I got the Hierophant leading. Um, I definitely got the uh, someone. Pompish is trying to tell you that a big thing is happening that's really more entrapping you than anything else, but it's also kind of you're trapping yourself because you're listening to it instead of using discernment, right. um, and someone's trying to profit off of it. Because uh, after him, I got the Eight of Swords and then the Page of Pentacles. Um, right. And then for why does it keep on calling you the guardian of all things? I got the King of Wands and the Emperor. Okay, um, so... So the King of Wands again. <laughs> see, now, and I have to tell you, like, this is the thing. The King of Wands tells me that... You, like, I'm talking to the, the person that asked the question. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, rejected guardian. The King of Wands is a guardian. He's a protector. He's a fierce, passionate individual who takes up space and, and protects. When he inverts, however, his the connotations that are associated with him are that he's a bit lazy a bit self-indulgent to his you know his protection he's sort of like like scar instead of mufasa um and so literally what this is saying is you have a protective ambition you are protective over others and this prophecy is meant to derail that protective impulse so as to make you less competent at it so and it sounds like it's working i'm gonna give a bonus card here of what's a good direction to oh, go in go. that would be great which is justice <laughs> um do with that what you will that's the card i just drew <laughs> rejected guardian of the galaxy yeah um, i would say the the prophecy comes true the thing that to understand about the inverted hierophant is that he still speaks for the mystery he serves even when he's doing it selfishly that power will still use him which means that the prophecy that you're experiencing right now is probably actually based on a true thing and being twisted so i'm gonna tell you 
Um, it probably means that you have a strong capacity to be a protector for things and find the things that you believe in and serve them. Not only that, but I'm going to give... Um, so, I don't always use Thoth, but when I do, um, one of the interesting things about Thoth is that instead of saying justice, it says adjustment. Ew. And that is your verb that you can apply right now. Because this shit needs adjusting. You're not going to use this prophecy as is. You're going to apply justice. You're going to, like, fucking verb this shit. Um, and that's what I suggest you start doing, is, like, look at this as, like, you know, look at this with the eyes of truth. Yes. And, like, this shit's your life. This person who's giving you a prophecy or, you know, entity or whatever, like, they don't get to pick this. It's, it's, it's you know, your shit. Right. Um, and, like, good on you for asking about this as opposed to just kind of going with it, too. Really, really. Yeah, um, I, you know, find the gems of truth in there, um, but, you know, we've already kind of told you yes. the, 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 the bad news, and I think that you're capable of going and finding the good news, because the justice card is um, a really good sign, actually. Right. Okay, well, so that sounds like a good answer. I love how it synced up. That's a good reinforcement because I felt bad about giving that particular answer. Yeah, as you were reading your shit out, like I actually like drew the hierophant just as you were talking about inverted inverted hierophant, and I'm like, wugada wugada. Right. Um. So that's our that's our one creepy moment. If we have more, then it can be more. Um. So next question. I just finished art school. Congratulations. I uh, actually got a graphic design degree. um, And I'm trying to transition into the graphic design world. Oh, hi. Um, (laughs) I've done a summer internship two times with the company. But other than that, my design portfolio is very slim because I majored in painting. Ah, There's a lot of pressure for me to find a proper job so I can move out with my partner this fall. My question for you to divine is, how can I successfully and quickly move into a graphic design job? Lots of love from Stress the Fuck Out Artist. I bet. Oh, and they have, like, stressed out emojis after that. Well, we'll help you get unstressed. So, how can I quickly and successfully move into a graphic design job? Alright. Oh, well, the spirit talking to me is the chariot inverted, which means, oh, here it goes. (laughs) (laughs) All about the inverts tonight. Ah, well, you know. Like, I work with them, so, like... I'm going to let you answer and then see if I can add something to that after that. How about that? The answer is the Queen of Swords. The Queen of Swords is... um, And she's right side up. Uh, You need to follow the advice of the woman who is giving you the hard choice. She's giving you the hard advice. Uh, The Knight of Cups inverted and the Hermit inverted are beneath to further explain. What they basically say is... You want to follow your heart, but you don't even know where your heart is going at this moment, and so you're going to have a long and lonely road to follow for a while. This is simply how it's going to be. The chariot overshadows all of this. They're the ones telling us about this. They specifically explain that all you can do is prepare for that big choice, that big change, and then hop in the car, and then you're not even in control of where it's driving. You just have to hope for the best. So prepare in advance, and then jump in and be ready to ride it out. Um, but specifically there is a woman who is very harsh and very bitchy and she's the one that you should be talking to she's not actually that much of a bitch she's actually pretty compassionate so follow her instructions what do you got 
Hmm. Let's see. I made the mistake of trying to pursue a graphic design career whenever I was more of a creative artist, and so I'm going to do a bit of a curiosity poll, um, which is because you're 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 following this graphic design job for what seems like expediency to actually get a real job. Um, and so I'm a little bit curious if we can alleviate some of your stresses by looking into a few avenues of this. Um, let's look at like. What's good for the short term? Ugh. Judgment. Okay, yeah, definitely listen to that bitch. Um, there you go. <laughs> but what's good for you for the long term? Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Got the eight of swords again. Ew. Do not trap yourself into a miserable position. That was a safe word. Yes, that's a good one. <laughs> um, do, do what's you're you're gonna do expediency for now to to get your your money and shit like that. But do not force yourself long term into something that makes you miserable. Um, always keep your options open for what you want to do with your career, which is different than your job. Yes. Um, and always leave your your options open for for the unexpected, like. Because right now you've got like you know options that you specifically set out for yourself that you have this objective you want to you have an objective that you want to achieve short term. Don't don't make yourself get trapped in that for the rest of your life because you can make yourself miserable. Right. Says Felix who experienced it. Okay. What's the next question? Next one. Oh, um, did we already answer this one? Strangest thing you've used for divination? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and there were starting tips as well. I remember that. All right, we're not going to go back to that then. Um, World Ash Blonde. Yes. Is their handle. Yes. And they have a two-parter, so it's going to... I'm going to... Um, thanks for the podcast. Really enjoying it. Keep them coming. We're doing it. Um, when you are beginning to work with a new magical system, either a traditional form or geekomantic, how much technical preparation do you recommend before jumping in? Traditional grimoires call for quite a bit of specialized equipment, but aren't, aren't always clear on how or when to use it. When adapting your own, are there any guidelines you, you, would, you could suggest for when to know you've developed a good foundation to start? Um, oh, and then they also have a Celtic crosshairs. Yes, um, so we'll do too. Yeah, so let's go. Let's let's that that first one. I feel is more of asking let's, us. Yeah, let's talk. Okay. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna iron over this again. Um, how much technical preparation before jumping into um, when you're you're starting a new system? Okay, well, on my end, geekomancy or tradcraft or ceremonial sorcery, especially like the Solomonic type, doesn't really matter. They they work because magic is real. So um, I would say that if you're just getting started. Um, don't go with something super complicated when you're getting started. Start with the nuts and bolts and go with the simple me uh, mechanics. Um, for example, if you're starting with something Kabbalistic or ceremonial magic oriented, there are basic mechanical operations you can do because I've done them. You can do the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. You can do the, the stuff that goes in from there, the simple things. Work with that try it out see how it goes and then learn from it if you're learning hermetics there are books you can pick up on that give you basic intro things um, if you're trying for something complicated like alchemy or like actual like like the abramelin ritual or um, you know you're trying to get real involved and stuff like that do not go from zero to one thousand you're not like if you are really beginning you're beginning 
For Geekomancy, part of the problem with practicing Geekomancy is that it relies upon you knowing enough about actual magic as every sort of practice goes to adapt it properly. Um, because none of it is teaching you magic deliberately. All of it is teaching you magic sort of sotto voce. It, they don't mean to. It's supposed to be fiction. It depends on the Geekomancy. Um, but I, I will say that... Um, so yeah, w what you pick is very important. Um, like you said, like no Abermillon right um, straight off the bat. Um, please don't. Really, really um, in don't. fact, most people just really don't do it. Um, <laughs> just just find a different hobby. Um, but there are a lot of even Solomonic rituals where if you feel like you want to go ahead and try it, go ahead and try it. Because honestly, most of the ways that those things fail is that nothing happens. Right. Well, and see, the question that we were asked here is like, to the traditional grim. Yeah, how much technical preparation? Exactly. And traditional grim wars call for quite a bit of specialized equipment, but aren't always clear on how or when to use it. So here's my thing: I'm not a ceremonialist because of this. I hate doing elaborate rituals. I am a witch, and my magic is organic and comes right out of me. That does not mean that I don't have a lot of study and a lot of stuff behind me where I had to learn things. Uh, that does not mean that I had a lazy path ahead of me at all. What it means is I didn't buy a lot of the complicated apparatus because I was learning how to use magic as a witch. So the worst we had were the four basic tools of like the tarot. You know, that was the worst I ever had to do because I wasn't even in a British traditional Wiccan coven until my early 20s and that lasted for all of two years um so seriously learning magic means experiencing magic pick up a system that is easier to work with than the drama i will admit this is a prejudice anytime someone's like oh well i'm a ceremonialist oh i'm you know i do all this kind of elaborate stuff oh my god this is fulfilling to me i'm over here going i don't know how it could be that is a personal prejudice and i'm aware of that but I'm going to tell you that it is based on practical results. If what you're looking for is making shit happen, um, pick up something practical. Seriously, pick up pick up Judica Illis's 5,000 spells and start experimenting. I'm not even kidding. Just fuck around with stuff. Try things out. Go to a practical tradition and try out their exercises. Try stuff out. Buy the, the merchandise and the, the paraphernalia that you need for that. And don't worry about the rest of it. Yeah, like, as someone who started out, like, approaching the Solomonic and ceremonial stuff and evaluating it and then seeing what from there I really wanted to do, which was actually quite little, um, I can tell you that if you're looking at those grimoires and you're, you're thinking, hmm, this looks too complicated for me to do, um, really evaluate, does this feel like something you actually want to do? Or are you just, like, considering it because it's there? Because if you... You know, evaluate early on that this isn't actually something that you want to do, then that's... You've saved yourself a lot of time um, right. and a lot of money. Uh, a lot of money. And, like, only invest into systems that require a lot of time and money if it's something that you, like, really feel a passion for. Right. And ask people who are already practicing it, um, you know, some, some practical questions. Like, you know, find a Facebook group um, that's a community that's dedicated to that sort of work and then lurk on there and read what they're doing and see if what they're talking about is stuff that you would enjoy doing and then start, you know, start talking with them. Precisely. Um, 
if it's building your own thing, um, I built a system myself, like, pretty early on, and um, I built it according to what I wanted to do. And, like, you know, I built it with spirits, and so the spirits taught me things. If you're doing something spirit-taught, what's great is that spirits usually, like, kind of, they know what you're gonna have. Um, and even if you don't think that you're gonna have, like, um, a fancy mirror that's shaped like an apple with a bite out of it, maybe you'll end up with one. Um, har har. Quite randomly. <laughs> Happy birthday. Felix, Felix bought me this for my birthday. Um, and, yeah, like, you know, there's some times where you don't think you're going to end up with a very complicated tool, but if that's something that's supposed to come to you, uh, it will. Well, and that is actually part of the advice I give to any beginning magician. It's that advice that Maxine Saunders gave to me, which was, trust the mysteries. If you're doing magic, trust the goddamn mysteries. If you don't trust them, you have no business practicing magic because that is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be experiencing and being initiated into the mysteries of the unseen. If you don't trust them, why are you practicing? So yeah. So, so um, I would need more details. So if someone, if World Ash Blonde wants to come off Anon and talk to me privately about this, I might be able to further advise you a little bit because geekomancy is one of my specialties. Um, trying to figure out systems and things like that is a thing that I do. But um, suffice to say, any tool that you put onto your altar, onto your workspace, your magical laboratory area, whatever, you need to understand how it works and how it functions, and you need to be taught how that works. So either you're taught by spirits, you're taught by experience in the School of Hard Knocks, or you're taught by a teacher. So don't do any major operations that require you to use tools you don't understand until after you've learned how they work. Okay, let's move on to yeah. the, the Celtic Crosshairs question that, that World Ash Blonde Yes. I'm in the midst of a big move and would like to know if the new place is going to be good for me. Should I continue what I've been doing or would it be better to make further changes like going back to school since I'm in a transition anyway? Um, on a more light-hearted note, I've been having more fun since I went back to being blonde, but is it too much of a good thing? Okay, we're going to answer one of your questions. Yeah, this is way too many questions. Um, just stay blonde, honey. Just stay yeah, blonde. blonde is fine. Um, there. Um, if, you're, if you're going by World Ash Blonde, you got to stay blonde. You're committed yep. to it. Um, you, you, yeah, you bought the ticket. Okay, so, yeah, I'm trying to figure out kind of the heart of this question. If you're, like, in the midst of a big move, and you're wanting to know if this Let's, move is actually okay, going to be good so to you. Okay, so we can do it one of two ways here. Felix, kay. I'm going to go ahead and address whether or not it's going to be good for World Ash Blonde to begin with. Okay. And I'll do the other and question? And you'll see if um, there are any changes that should be made. Okay, yeah, if changes should there be made. Go. All right, so you're going to... Okay. Yeah. So who's going to talk to us? Oh, the Wheel of Fortune is going to talk to us. Okay, that's fun. <sighs> oh, well, that's not helpful. Okay, so I got the Wheel of, For Wheel of Fortune, and it's inverted, but none of your other cards are, so that's fun. Um, so the Wheel of Fortune, when it inverts, and that's who's talking to us at this moment, the Wheel of Fortune refers to fate. It has to do with things go up, they go down. Uh, the cycle returns and repeats. The snake eats its own tail. So in this particular message, what it's basically saying is your question is about inevitability and about as things going up, how are they going to come down? So what I'm going to tell you is the Page of Cups tells me uh, the answer to your question is very simple. Begin with an open heart and things will treat you as if you are doing so. The Three of Swords and the Two of Wands 
help answer this question. The Three of Swords says, pain that you suffer is only pain. Unless there is damage, don't treat it like an actual wound. And the Two of Wands says that um, much of what you're about to experience, you're just going to have to wait and see because there is way too much going on for one simple question. So what I can tell you is, it looks like this is a good move, but it also looks like there's going to be a lot going on, and you should approach with an open heart and with a desire to learn about the heart. And then it will be going well for you. So what's great is that I got the Page of Cups, too. <laughs> um, there, there are two cards here. One of them you didn't get. Um, so the Page of Cups, I, I'm going to say that's partially reiterating your whole, like, you know, approach this with an open heart thing. I also think it does give a, like, an indicator that if you did go to school back to school then it wouldn't be right. bad i agree because you know, it's a student card yes. um, especially if your but, schooling has to do with art yes but i want to emphasize the second card that i got because i'm like okay well you know give me some details as to to why like you know what what's surrounding this and i got the four of swords um so what you really need to pay attention to is while you're getting all this transition and, and upheaval are you resting enough because there's only so much shit you can do that's true like, you know, is this a good time to go back to school? If you're already doing all this transition stuff, I understand, like, you know, when you're going through a change, you might as well go through more change, but, like, there's only so much you can Correct. do. Correct. Otherwise, then you burn yourself out, and then no change happens. Yeah, so you, you ha like, so do this Page of Cups thing, like, you know, learn, but, you know, whether you're going to actually go back to school or not, like, you need to be taking in the Four of Swords into consideration. Like, are you getting enough rest? Are you taking care of yourself? Is this a really good time to go back to school, or is this just a good time to be, like, a student of life? Right. So, there okay. you go. Okay, so let's move to the next question. I'm actually, in, like, I'm intrigued to answer this question. Oh, ooh. I am too. Okay. Um, so I'm trans and started medically transitioning three months ago. Congratulations. Yes. Um, and will probably start presenting as a girl once classes start up again in September. I've had zero luck with romantic stuff for the last few years, and I'm lonely to be honest. Should I just ignore romantic stuff until I'm in a better place with my transition or try to put myself out there and find somebody anyway? Mm. That's a great question. Yes. I, I would like to say that I am a, a, a trans person with a boyfriend. You have a boyfriend? So. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that actually several people have said to me that they didn't realize we were dating? I I remember you saying I, I didn't know you. It was several. several. I know that you mentioned it's one. It's been several wow. people. Like they had no idea. Okay. It was very funny. The, like we said it in we're, like we're the not first going and to second a, episode. We even talked about it. Yeah, we 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 haven't occulted this. It hasn't been innuendo. We were literally like we are dating my boyfriend. Guard um. the boyfriend. Reveal him constantly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So, like, um, yeah, that's not, like, a code word for something. No. <laughs> Anyways, he's my boyfriend, so, quotation marks. No. So, I, I want to, but I'm saying that because um, it's very common in the trans, like, community, especially whenever you're early on transitioning, to feel like no one is going to love you and you're not going to find anybody. Like, y there are lots of trans people who, who find people, so don't feel like this is just hopeless because you're trans. Right. Just want to say that without even drawing any I cards. Okay. So... Um, ignore romantic stuff or put yourself out there. Alright, so here's the thing that I'm going to say to you. Like, I've drawn some cards, but I'm going to say something first. Um, I'm a romantic and you, if you want to have company, if you want to be with someone, absolutely look for it. 
absolutely make yourself available to it and have faith because there are people in this world who love there are people in this world who uh, who choose love. They choose to approach from a position of love. You will encounter them, and many of them will be drawn to you. This is just how it works. This is not a question of luck or fate or destiny. This is not a soulmate conversation. This is simply a fact. And every time you interact with these people, even when they don't end up well, like even I told that story about my ex-girlfriend, even when they end, end in a tragic fashion, that does not mean that it was bad. That does not mean that it was not worthwhile. Abuse aside, because that's a different category, um, each person has something to teach you. Their love has something to teach you. Now, I'm going to say to you, just that's my philosophy about things, but the cards have very specific things to say to you. I got the Wheel of Fortune again, I shuffled them up, and we got the Wheel of Fortune again. But this time it's not inverted. Which means in this case your question is about whether or not it's worthwhile for you to approach this and whether or not this is the right time. And the cards are saying the Three of Pentacles is your answer. Now is a time for you to definitely focus on being skilled at what you do and being appreciated for that. The Knight of Swords says that you have lost faith in your ability to be what people are looking for, and you've lost faith in the goodness of people. Um, when it inverts like it is here, specifically it's saying rebel without a cause. You are surrounded by an awful lot of people who are sort of rebels without causes. They don't have a lot of things that they believe in. But the King of Pentacles also also answers into this situation and it says, he says, um, focus on being good at what you're doing and trust in the judgment of the person who is mentoring you at this time. You are skilled and worthy and not just because of your stuff because of who and what you are and what you bring to the table just by being there um that is the way that you will find the romance you're looking for because you'll be appreciated for your merit you'll be appreciated for who and what you are and what you produce and create in this world just by existing and that will reassure you that you are doing things right which you are so building on that uh -huh. Um, I did shuffle my cards several times, and I got the Four of Swords again. Okay. Um, so there's two cards here playing in the reading. One is the Four of Swords that was from the top of the deck. That's basically like, should you ignore or pursue? And the Four of Swords is basically like, are you feeling cranky and tired? Self-care. Are you, well, not just that. Are you feeling cranky and tired, and are you looking at the world with a kind of, like, just, ugh. Like, are you just, like, kind of feel, like, not feeling it passionately right now? Or are you a bit tired of the world? Because if so, that's not a good time to just, like, thrust yourself out there. Like, you know, that's that's time to, like, chill. However, um, the thing is, yeah, romance can come along whether you're looking for it yep. or not. Um, and so right now it does not look like it's time to be looking for it, but it can happen. The shadow card, which is the bottom card of this deck, um, is the Ace of Wands. Hmm. And a lot of this feeds into what Rune was talking about with working on your craft and all of that. Um, basically, working on your skills. While you're doing the work that you're going to be doing, like you're taking care of yourself and you're, you're going to your classes and, and going about the non-romantic things, um... As you do this, 
the spark within you, the fire within you, like that flame, that's going to draw someone. Yeah, that's like that's pretty. That awesome. will, that is attractive. Um, and literally, you know, it's the Ace of Wands, so it's like you know a wand with like a little flame on top. Like you're doing your work, you're applying yourself, like you're being yourself, and and you're you're following your passions. That is going to do its own magic. Um, and it, it is quite magical when people are attracted to us. This isn't giving some sort of guarantee that you're like definitely going to meet someone. They're going to be like exactly like this. So much as like you put out your own attraction just naturally. And when you take care of yourself, you're and you really apply yourself, you're going to like glow. Agreed. Um, and that is that's more important than like you know getting on OK Cupid or something. Correct. And I think that, and also a lot more fun. <laughs> and I think that, like, combined, basically, what they're saying is, do what is right for you to live. Don't worry about chasing romance. Be open to it. Yes. And focus on the things that make you awesome, and do those things. Yes. Okay. So, so, um, how many more of these do we want to do? Well, let's see if we can rattle off a few quick ones just by pulling cards. Like we have a couple of silly ones that have been put in here. We okay, yeah. The next one is definitely silly. So, dear Rune and Felix, how do I specifically start working with spirits in the form of hot monster? Boys? I'm only pulling one card for this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you get? You have to go first this time. Um, I got justice. Um for great justice um okay look hmm how do I phrase this <laughs> don't um, <laughs> right um this is not a good way to <laughs> approach spirit work um I know that it's great to, to to work with hot monster boys like but like do realize that this is real serious work that you're going to be pursuing like if you enter a real relationship with a spirit like a working relationship like make an actual connection this is some serious shit so it's not going to be about whether they're like hot monster boys right um, well and th see yeah. and that my card is kind of similar so what you're thinking of working with i got the ten of wands inverted and i gotta warn you mm-hmm mm so you're about to embark on working with some spirits. Please understand that nobody does anything for free and that absolutely everything has a cost. Power Ooh, begets yeah. burden. Specifically though, with this inversion, it's an extra warning. The spirits that you are thinking of working with will do their damnedest to make you pay the price while they get the benefit. Yeah, this like, you know, so this justice card is the Egyptian style like feather balance with the heart yeah. thing. Around this time is when you like maybe get fed, fed to a crocodile-headed god. So maybe if be you fuck careful. up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> like those those hot monster boys, they they do like you know nom down. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take this seriously. Just be careful. And, and your handle is Thirsty Witch, and I I find that entertaining. Um, I, I I applaud your taste, but be careful. This is um, as much as I am flippant and lighthearted about what it is that I do. Um, it is um, very serious business as well. I also have to say, magic is real. The cards actually seem to be indicating because these are the things that you needed to hear about that that you already know how to summon them, which means that you like or. Or create a relationship. That's true. We didn't. This was wasn't how to find them. This was more like, um, did you know? Right. So we're gonna go on. All right. Let's yeah. move on. But um, All be right. confident in your ability. Then. All right. So, uh, 
Um, We're not answering. I've got. Okay, I want to read this. Our friend Sun wrote this, and I'm just going to read the question. But I, I don't think we need to answer this question. Yeah, we don't have really a handle right. on this so, one. Just, just, it's just a Sun. She says. Rune and Felix, why do I always use so little water when cooking my ramen? I know I'm going to end up with a mouthful of fire for about an hour and a half when I'm eating my spicy ramen, and I always do this to myself. And why do you do I'm this? I'm going to say that this is because uh, you and your ramen need to have a serious conversation about boundaries and safe words. And we're going to move. I on. think. <laughs> You just need to write down that you need to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Um, on, let's see. No, okay, so this person over here is... Their handle is just numb to it, and they say... Yes. I read a lot of witchy things that talk about feeling or seeing energy slash magic, but I'm not having much success, and I worry I'm straight up daydreaming at ADHD for the win. Oh, can I just answer this without cards? Am I even working in the right direction? Uh, you can answer, but I'm going to pull some cards, so go ahead. Oh, no, no, I, I believe in, in your ability to always pull cards for yes. everything. I just have some straight-up salt to dish Please about this. Please do. Okay, can I dish my go. salt first? All right, so... Guess what? I don't see energy. Um, what? I don't. I don't see energy. What? <laughs> <laughs> like hell, you like. Like last night, you were giving me a lesson about freaking working with, like you know, power and applying it in certain directions, and you were seeing it better than I was because that's not an ability that I naturally have. I written. An, I wrote an entire article about how you can use other senses to perceive this kind of shit just because everybody seems to assume that you can see energy and see auras and it's like not everybody can but they can still like you know do some shit right. so yeah guess what like if you can't see energy that's not an imposition to doing magic and also not everybody uses quotations energy Precisely. to their stuff okay so go so on. i drew cards and my cards are kind of reading you to filth at the moment i apologize but the library oh. is open the full card inverted shows up which shows that you are paying attention to the wrong things you are worried about stuff that ha doesn't even matter yet and you are paying too much attention to the wrong stuff so my recommendation to you as far as that card goes is you are just getting started honey you are just getting started you don't know enough about whether or not you are daydreaming things or whether they are serious real things you have no idea now is not the time to judge now is not the time to think now is the time to experience so the other two cards which back this up and these were actually more of a message to me and how i should talk to you about this the nine of wands says that you hold your cards very close to your chest and protect yourself very closely and that is part of your problem the queen of swords however comes in and says you need a wake-up call you need someone to step in and be like girl seriously that is not going to work you need to fucking get over yourself I, I, I say this to you with compassion, and I apologize if I am upsetting you, but the Queen of Swords nurtures through hard truth. You don't know enough yet. You need more experience. Try some things that are not about seeing and sensing stuff. Try a candle spell. Try a cord spell. Try to go out and experience a Sabbath. Try to take a little bit of time to experience the breadth and scope of magic before you start deciding whether it's real or not. Yeah, you may never actually sense energy in quotations, but that is not the ultimate way to decide whether magic has worked or yes. not. 
It's about what, what results you As get. a person who has magical synesthesia, literally, I have hallucinations. I get to hallucinate. That's a hallucination when you see or physically feel energy in quotations because i hate that word but when you're experiencing this stuff in that fashion it's a hallucination and it can actually mess up your life you sound you say you have adhd which means you've already got enough problems don't worry about whether or not you're experiencing things properly try doing a spell and watching the actual physical results happen do that. Don't worry about what you're feeling and what you're sensing and what you're seeing. Anybody who is trying to tell you that you have to focus on that before you can do it is straight up an asshole, okay? If they think that their latent mental twig that allows them to sense what's going on makes them a better magician inherently than you are just because they can feel it when they're doing stuff, they're wrong. That's the same as a person who isn't born with perfect pitch learning how to sing anyway. Yeah, speaking as somebody who's like on the spectrum, if I could like literally see energy all the time, I would get less done because that would be yet another distraction, yet another form of stimulus. Exactly. Yeah. Um. We want. Why don't we do like one more? Okay. Let's see what we've got left. We've got. I'm gonna look at the next one up I'm here. To find, do they have a handle that they gave us? I'm gonna come up with uh, one. Uh, let me see here. Low key summoner. We're gonna call you. So, so I low-key want to start one day doing summoning and working with spirits and or demons, but a friend of mine is very vehemently against me or any of their friends working with demons because they believe it's really dangerous. And I understand that they're concerned, but this is something that I've been wanting to do for years, and I know there are ways to be more safe about go doing summoning. And I wouldn't go into it without some sort of protection, so I guess I'm not sure if I should try to convince them I'll be safe, or if I should just one day do it but refrain from bringing it up with them. Uh, option two. Oh, I need to, I need to um, be, give some disclosure uh -huh. here. I saw this in our inbox, like, uh, what it says, 21 days ago, and I actually messaged them directly saying, fuck their friend. I was going to say, yeah, option <laughs> two, they do not get to have any opinion about your pa about your casting. Okay, so let's move yeah. past that and do another one then. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, I was like, no, fuck this. Work with demons if you want to. Seriously. It's like, the, nobody gets to tell you nobody not to. Nobody gets to control your, your will but you. All right, so let's move on to the next okay. one. John is, nope, that's a different thing. Uh, needs a catnap. Okay, let's do needs a catnap. Uh, yeah. I have been having nightmares daily. Sometimes I'm boarding up a house against zombies. Sometimes I'm being feasted on by hipster-looking demons. What could these nightmares mean? Thank you so much for making such a fun and informative podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, they said lately, not daily, by the way. Oops. <laughs> I'm, okay, just, I'm so just letting you lately. know it's not a daily uh, lately. thing. Yeah. Uh, you're, ooh. Okay, well, um, you said hipster-looking demons, and I gotta tell you, the only thing I can think of is uh, that first of the evil exes from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, mm -hmm. the demon hipster chicks. So, uh, <laughs> just so you know, that's what's in my head right now. But anyways, let me take what a look. What could it mean? What could it mean? It means I need to stop eating burritos before I go to sleep. Um... Okay, so the Hierophant Inverted wants to talk again. Jesus. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. All right. <laughs> I have the Strength card. I have the Star Inverted and the Ace of Swords Inverted as your answer. All right, so, Catnap, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> 
I already told you guys what the hierophant means upside down. It literally means a priest or a pontiff, a, a, a voice box for a mystery, speaking for their own reasons and not for the reasons necessarily given by the mystery itself. So you are tuned into some nonsense. You are overstimulating yourself and overflooding yourself with some rather useless stuff. Uh, do you play video games? Do you um, spend too much time watching TV? I mean, because you got a lot of stuff coming into your head and it's translating itself. However, the answer to all of this is the the strength card, which is all about purity and distillation of power and purpose. So in your case, these dreams are about you getting prepared to do something. They're your mind kind of sorting itself out. We have the star inverted and we have the ace of swords to fill us in, also inverted. Um, and literally your disillusionment and your difficulties with how things have been going in life are causing you to get prepared to cut some bullshit out of your life. And the the boarding up a house against zombies, the being feasted on thing, these are things that are about you needing to cut some crap out of your life. You're getting really, really close to that time. But it also looks like you're prepared to do that. And I think you already know that now. I think we may have waited too long I... to answer it. I find this really interesting. Okay. So... My sequence is the Eight of Swords, King of Wands, Queen of Wands. And the way that I was asking was, well, what are these dreams representing? Specifically these monsters in these dreams. Eight of Swords. Um, not just, you've got that feeling of entrapment, but there's that definite, like, entrapping yourself that always comes with the Eight of Swords. Right. Um, and, like, you've already kind of gone into that. Right. Like, it's literally you, the same you've already same thing. described the Eight of Swords. Um, the King of Wands, I was basically saying, you know, what should be done in response to this, and it's basically, you know, muscle up, show some yep. discipline, start to be the, the master of your powers, and the Queen of Wands is, that was where I was like, why? And it's like, to become the Queen of Wands, to become that badass bitch. There you go. Like, you know, whip some shit out. You may have already whipped some shit out by now. Um, you should you should whip it good. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay so that is all of our questions for now i think we're going to stop there yeah and we we will be doing another podcast like you know soonish yes. um i plan on this one coming out um near the beginning of september which is in a few days awesome it's like towards the end of the week awesome sauce. so um and we, I, we will have to talk at some point about how we're going to select questions because i like our podcast is getting more and more popular we're getting a um, lot of questions and we are going to have getting to, a lot of questions we're going to have to whittle this down like i think maybe what we'll need to do is like three questions per podcast yeah and we're going to have to start being choosy and and deciding which child we love the most yeah sorry you guys uh, the rest of you go in the blender oh god <laughs> well, we are witches right? <laughs> takes a lot of babies focus focus <laughs> all right um so uh thanks for listening uh please apply our tips uh, safely. Do not just cast curses at someone because you think they looked at you jankily. Yes. And um, until next time, may the circle of salt protect you.